<clears throat> Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a podcast that is essentially self-development for people with herpes. It is also a nonprofit organization that offers donation-based mental health resources for anyone who may be struggling with herpes stigma. Meaning that you, the listener, as well as any of the donors, have given money to support people um, who may only be able to afford a little bit of the cost of therapy, um, and you're able to make up the difference for that. So, um, yeah, if you want, you can consider donating to Something Positive for Positive People at www.spfpp.org. Other ways to support are to like, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast on whatever listening platform you have. All right, so today um, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to the best of your ability. Just share whatever it is that you would like to share. I will call you whatever you'd wish to be called as well. Um, I butchered your name the first time, so I'm gonna let you say it one more time. I actually have no reason to say your name because we're having a conversation with each other. So, uh, yeah, go, go ahead. How old are you? Uh, what's your name and where you, where you located? Okay. So, um, hi, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Karan, Karan Verma being the full name. Um, from India, from the city of Bangalore. I am 23 years old. Um, cis male, um, androgynous, and I'm an artist. Yeah, that's the, what, the short version. What kind of art? Um, mostly um, illustrations and digital art, um, stuff like that. Um, I lean mostly in the automotive segment and I've always been a car and a bike guy so like most of my art gets diverted in the um, automotive field and stuff like that alright cool but yeah, I, I, I draw and paint everything you know any medium and only about like 2-3 years ago I recently um, ventured in the digital side of things but until then I was like a pen and paper kind of a person yeah so that's me do you uh so do you use pen and paper for your drafts and then you take it digitally or do you just are you full digital now? Um, yeah, it's um the initial ten percent, you know, like that muscle memory only activates when like um there's something organic like the pen and paper going on. I, I feel so. The initial ten percent definitely happens in my um this draft book, which I personally like to call the incubator. This is where like the initial embryo stage of my artworks happen and yeah, it begins like that and it just travels through like two or three devices of mine from a tablet to my laptop stuff like that and two or three softwares and ends up being like an artwork you know cool and cool it's needed you know like um be it like like even like medium wise like if it's needed on a t-shirt there's like a certain way to get that file ready in the end and so along with the aesthetic part it's also like the technical stuff so I just kind of like balance it all out and get the artwork ready. Cool. So, you know, whichever destination it has to plan on being on a t-shirt or a poster or, um, or just an Insta post for that matter. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you reached out to me, I believe it was two nights ago. I remember I opened the email, I was out and I was probably yeah. drinking and I was like, 
I read through it and I was like, I should probably hurry up and respond to this so I don't lose the email. So that was why I replied right away. And I was like, yeah, well, what are you doing? <clears throat> What's the earliest you're available so we can get the recording done? Um, but just to start out, um, what made you reach out? something that like i just knew i had to do for some reason like i've been listening to your podcast for like um a couple of months now as i mentioned in that you know, extensive email which i sent you i didn't know that i was you know disturbing your new year's eve or something no 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 <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't disturbing <laughs> anything at all yeah. it was um i just thought like um and the reason why the email was also so extensive was because you know one shot and i need to kind of get here so uh, kind of like um, answering question now. Um, what made me reach out, right? So it's uh, well, it's um the it's like um, listening to a podcast has been like this um the safe space of sorts, this meditation, and every day you know I take my morning walks or evening walks, and you know like music and all doesn't happen anymore for some reason. I'm just like, I need to listen to like this podcast and just see what what's up with people. And every podcast is like a new story, new like um, dimension of this human condition coming in with every single podcast. And I just knew like, okay, it's a place where, so it's like everything is accepted. Uh, before anything is even talked about, it's just accepted. You know, that's, a, that's the first step, you know, I, I feel that I've noticed, like, way before we even get into things, like, okay, come as you are, you know, that's how you welcome your guests, like, come as you are, you know, you're already accepted, like, even if you don't know the people you're interviewing, like, you're already accepted, whatever you are, like, doesn't matter how uh, fucked up you think you are as a person, it's okay, you know, Yeah. And come here and just talk about it. Thank that's you. What... Thank you for yeah. saying that, especially the way you worded it, because uh, that's consistent with one of the more popular podcast episodes titled Self-Acceptance. And um, that is, I don't want to say it's the number one thing that we need, but I think that that is a really good starting point of being able to first accept yourself. And it's easier to do when you are able to come into a space where you see so many other people have been accepted already. Because we might not know what it feels like to experience acceptance until we see enough of it or hear enough of it on the podcast, for instance, from other people. Like we get to experience what it feels like to be accepted through other people. And then we know what it feels like for ourselves so that we can look for it. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how it is, you know. So that's what brought me here. Like, apart from the fact that, you know, I got herpes around a year and a half ago. Oh, it was a year and a half ago? Yeah, it was 30th July, 2021. Okay. Oh, damn, you remember the day and everything. <laughs> so, I guess walk me through, uh, walk me through how you found out. How I found out, oh, another story in itself, I think. So, the exposure happened on 30th July, 2021. That's how it, it is, and... I wouldn't know until like a full, a little over a month later. The report didn't come into my hand until September 5th of 2021. So it was like a full month of 
you know everything every emotion running through the mind so how do i even like start the story like Okay, you tell me what do I focus on this part of the story? Oh yeah, so I would like to know when you first thought that you had herpes. Okay, so um, 30 July happens. I spend this evening with the stranger. You know, I matched with her on Bumble and like it was like one of those um, casual hookups. Like you talk for like a few minutes and like you want to come over? Okay, sure. And then I was there. Wait a minute, wait a minute, time out, time out. You said that so easily, like, you know what kind of game you have to have in order to match with someone, message them for a few minutes, and then get them to come over the same day? That's completely how it didn't go, and I wish it was like that. I wish it was one of those, like, oh, I'm like the Super Romeo 5000 who has all the game in the world, and, you know, five minutes of talking with someone, you know, they just fell open for me, but that's not how it was. That's definitely not it was quite depressing quite sad how the entire situation was and it, it happened because it was like a perfect storm the entire casual hookup happened because it was a perfect storm and those two people who were there in that room like now that I think about a year and a half later about introspecting so much it went down exactly how it was supposed to be you have a person like me who is just speaking out on his desperation you know just speaking out like there's no like um nice way to put it so i'll say it as it is you know just waking up every day and just kind of just throbbing helplessly you know just being horny for no reason whatsoever just day in and day out without even like watching pornography or anything just being horny 24 7 just this uncontrollable stuff and this is something which i'll be like looking into deeper in my therapy sessions you know mm-hmm. so it goes back like 15 years or something it's a story in itself i feel which i haven't yet to wanna dive into Okay. Kind of reverberated through three reverberated through the years and it's like a butterfly effect, you know, something happens when you're a kid and it just grows and never stops. So coming back to the topic again. Um yeah. So it was like I just take I, I matched with this woman. Um and we just talked for a bit and it was like my desperation was ready to lead me out anywhere, you know, like I was in a different state of mind, it was, again, not a pretty way to put this, but I'll just say it, it was um, just using, like, your dick is like a um, tip of a compass, and wherever it points, you just kind of run in that direction, kind of level of desperation I'm talking about, so it was that, and coupled with this woman who was texting me, who was like, see, when I reached there, you know, what happened, whatever happened that evening, the most traumatic part isn't like um, me catching herpes. The most traumatic part was what I saw. And what I saw was like this woman who was just completely dazed out of her mind, intoxicated out of her mind, you know, like heavy intoxicated, just cannot get high enough. And I also kind of, kind of like um, got with it. I, I know like, um, I shouldn't have like um, <clears throat> done too much of it, but like even I got heavily intoxicated that day the moment I reached there. And then I, I can't even see properly. I'm so like I'm intoxicated at this point, you know. And things kind of like go forward a little, and like we are here for business, right, so to speak. So that begins, and 
until now, you know, like it's not, I haven't been disclosed just to you know, say that clearly. I have no thing like whatsoever. And like, so we are in, so like about like half an hour or so, we're just making out and doing this and that. And then um, we move forward, um, the clothes sort of come off and then I'm like, so I put the condom on somehow, you know, I'm just, I can barely see anything. I put the condom on and then five seconds before I enter, just five seconds before, like I'm just like, um, about to go in there and then I hear this, you know, mutter under her voice and she kind of like whispers that I have herpes. Kind of just realized that, you know, like, oh, by the way, I, like kind of like that, and, like a nonchalant um, realization happens on her part. Like, oh shit, I have herpes, like that. And I'm just intoxicated out of my mind. I'm like, huh? Oh, okay. And then I just go in anyway. You know, I just, you know, thrust away, I just do my thing. Um, and I'm just like intoxicated out of my mind, you know. I'm just like, I'm just getting mine, you know, and just doing my thing. It's like, yeah. Anyway, after like, yeah, go on. Listen. I was going to ask, do you think that she had to get as drunk as she did in order to tell you that, or maybe because she wasn't going to tell you that. I still can't figure that part out. But one thing I can tell you, so after everything was over, like about two, three hours, and um, the high is kind of coming down now in my mind, you know? I'm just sitting on the bed and she's just in the other room and I'm just like, okay. Um, she said something about her piece. You know, I'm recalling that now. And I just go up to her and I talk about it. No, no, no I don't go to, go to her just yet. I'm sitting there and then for the first time in my life, I Google herpes then. No. For the first time, yeah. I've never heard of it. I mean, I've heard of it in movies and all a couple of times. There is that, you know, in Hang Hangover 1 or 2, you know, there's that one scene like, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but not herpes, that shit comes back with you, bro. <laughs> so I remember that one scene. But herpes was just like something I've never heard of until that day. And I Google herpes for the first time after I'm done with all that stuff that happened that evening. Yeah, easily the worst sex in my like worst sex ever. It barely qualified as sex, you know. It was that weird. So yeah, I Googled that and I read, you know. <laughs> it's like how we, how you know throughout your podcast we have talked about how it's the worst thing to do to Google, <laughs> and I'm doing exactly that while being intoxicated. You know, so first thing I read is like there's no cure for it, and <laughs> and then comes the images. <laughs> yep, the nightmare and everything. Then I just close the phone and I'm like, yo, you know, and I just go up to her. And I start talking about it somehow. I don't know what to say. I'm still a little intoxicated. And she's gearing up around two. You know, she's just like, not gearing around two in the sense of intoxication, not of sex. So, you know, reach out that high. She's just getting ready for that. And she's just like talking and things like, and then I asked her, like, why didn't you tell me? Like, the least you could do is at least tell me right before I left my home. I should have known this thing, right? And then she, uh, like, this one thing I'll never forget in my entire life. Her reply was so legendary, it was like, but I thought I told you. 
when she said that, did she mean I thought I told you before we were before you were putting before the condom was on? Did she think that she told you in your conversations? And the thing is, like, we we texted for like a couple of days. It wasn't like you know five minutes of texting and then I reached out. It was like a couple of days. Don't don't remember. It wasn't more than a couple of days of talking on Bumble on and off. So it was something like that. That reply will never get out of my head. Like I thought I told you. I'm like, bitch, why? <laughs> like it. It was so. Yeah, that that kind of like broke me a little, but. I was still, you know, like, okay. And then it doesn't stop there. She starts to, like, um, talk about, oh, we, we use a condom. Um, don't worry about it. And and then she proceeds to say one more thing, like, oh, this is also something I'll never forget. <laughs> uh, so it was, wait, let me record. Yeah, it was like, don't worry, you know, like, the outbreaks happen only, like, once or twice in your entire life, and it's not fatal. She used that word, okay? I'm like, are you already? Are you giving me the tech talk already? Like, wait, I'm not ready to even have this in my body yet, and you're giving me the tech pep talk already? <laughs> like, it's not fatal. That 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 you know, girlyish tone. It's okay. It's not fatal. I'm like, yo. Don't give me the pep talk already. Tell <laughs> I don't even know what happened today. You know, I'm a little dazed. Just hearing these words, like I thought I told you, and hey, don't worry, it's not fatal. Yeah, it seems like yeah, it, it seems like okay. So she told you she downplayed yeah. it, and then she tried to even further downplay it. But the yeah. second one was kind of contradictory because she basically said. You're not going to get it. And then it was, yeah. if you get it, it's not that bad. Yeah, like, oh, we used a condom. Like, that one sentence. I'm like, yeah, I know. I, but, uh, and the traumatic, traumatic part, again, is not, again, the, like, me getting herpes there. I'll tell you, like, how herpes entered my body, even though I was wearing a condom, okay? There was no oral sex. I was like, I didn't even frame with her anything. There was no oral sex. Like, I didn't like, you know, eat her pussy out or anything. Like, I'll tell you that in about like a minute or so. I'll first tell you like um, what still kind of haunts me more or less to this day. What happened that day? It wasn't that I got out. It was what I saw and what I basically stuck my dick into, so to speak. And just that person, like the way she was just treating herself, it was like the peak self-abandonment I've seen, you know, like one of the worst cases of self-abandonment I've seen, like her entire body was just, you know, covered in hair and it isn't like the kind of hair which you see like, oh, my body, my rules kind of hair. Okay, I don't have problem or anything against human hair. It's natural. But this was different. This was like, oh, I don't give, I haven't, you know, like, and her body was thinking, very badly and it was just like oh I don't take care of my body for months on end I just stay here intoxicated all day you know it was that level kind of self-abandonment that's why I said it's a perfect storm what happened that day it wasn't my game or anything it was just it was she got the kind of guy which would you know answer that call only a person who's down bad as fuck it was just you know 
really not in his mind completely and just using his dick as a tip of a compass, you know, so to speak. So it was like a mix of like self abandonment from self abandonment from her end and desperation from mine. So again, in my case also, you can say that I had abandoned myself to a certain extent if I was, you know, using my dick as a compass. So it, it was a common theme between both of us. That's a very interesting observation because like goes to like. And what you saw from her in terms of self-abandonment was an external representation of your internal. Because you you said that you were going through just waking up being horny all the time, right? And not... did You you didn't say that? I did say that. Oh, oh, I I saw you shaking your head this way. All right. The way I took that was like, no, that's not what I said. Okay. Um... Okay, okay. But uh, to go from that, like, there, there's a desperation, a desperation for connection, because we need, whenever we're experiencing something so intensely, like desperation, what we need is the other end of that, which is like an acceptance, so to speak, connection, connection is what I meant to say. So you two were so like, even though you're different, you were so like in where you were mentally that you were just naturally drawn to each other. And in your case, it was like, okay, you got that connection, but you got to see somebody that was like worse off than you in a way. Like you got to see this and then you were able to see kind of that this was the path that you were headed on. Is that, is that accurate at all? Yeah, that's why I used the term. It still kind of haunts me to this day because that's what I saw, right? I I literally stuck my dick into um, this person who who was reduced to being a medium of, like, I don't even blame her directly, you know. How I see her is, I don't have any grudge against her or something. How I see her is just like this victim of this huge, like, pile of negativity. And what she's reduced to now is just... She's just a carrier of negativity. She just, you know, like she's just a medium of negativity. Her body, her being, what, how beautiful a human being supposed to be. She's just reduced to just this medium through which, you know, negativity channels itself into other people. So of course, you know, she passed on the herpes. It's like that. It's a no-brainer, of course, you know, like a person who's operating on that level of self-abandonment. Like, of course, they're not, not just the herpes. And that's what I'm saying. The herpes wasn't the worst part. What I, what, along with that, what entered my body and my being was this, like, this negativity. And what I saw there, like, oh, shit. This is what a person who is so high-strung looks like, who has completely given up on themselves, who's just out of it. Who's just, you know, inviting these people. Who knows how many dudes she must have invited before me or after me, you know? Who knows? Yeah, and it's like every day she wakes up and she's just being this medium of negativity, you know, and everything that she embraces, you know, with that um, not so stable state of mind, a mind who's not completely, you know, in line with rationality. Shit, you know, who knows what happens? Yeah, but I just ended up there, and that's what I saw. I stuck my dick in it so it was like I was intimate with that level of you know dark energy literally and my love language is touch you know Mm -hmm. and 
touching that body which was just like i said like i don't have anything against like i don't want this to be taken the wrong way i don't have anything against um human hair or women with hair or something you know it's completely fine it's natural but seeing like this dense layer of you know hair on a body which i was now trying to touch and just the stench is coming off the body and what i saw was like i i to put it simply as a spirit like um, more or less like a necrophilia i'll just go ahead and say that word you know it's a strong word i know but stick your dick into something which is barely alive and present in the moment that's what you feel you know mm-hmm. uh what's your relationship to alcohol was it just alcohol or were there drugs too no, no actually like, um can't mention I, w- i would like to like not mention okay all right um i just use the word into- that's why i'm using the word intoxication you know? got it okay yeah. so all right then i will speed past that question um when would you have had sex with this person sober if the situation played out exactly how it played out minus the intoxication i think i would have paused a little bit more okay all right just, you know like like i said when i was like 5 seconds away from entering her i would have paused when she said the word herpes if i was sober maybe i would have paused maybe i would have, would have had a better chance if i was sober you know mm. okay uh there's a a former podcast guest that i had i don't think that um This person didn't have herpes, but he said a very interesting thing. He said I have to obey the politics of what makes my dick hard. Um and when he said that, that got me thinking about like how human beings tend to lead with pleasure or there that's an option. We either lead from a state of survival and scarcity and fear or we lead from love, abundance and pleasure. And so yeah. leading with pleasure in a way kind of sent us down for many of us I'm not going to say everyone uh can lead us down to a place where we connect with someone that might expose us to herpes and then we challenge our relationship to that but also there's the component of like scarcity and fear where leading that leads us into a situation where we can get herpes and then we find ourselves you know figuring this out from there with that baseline of understanding would you say that what led you to this person was a pursuit of pleasure or running a or like a fear of something was it fear or pleasure that led you in that direction And it can be both and it can be neither. So I don't want you to feel like you have to force an answer. Yeah, it's like um the word pleasure it just sounds like such a luxury. Like the moment you use that word, at least like through my perspective and so far like and yeah, I, I don't know if I should even use the word pleasure at all. It's something which was like a step 2 or step 3, you know, step 1 which I feel like or at least my body was um craving was to speak its love language it was just 
touch of it touched finally were you craving the intimacy of touch or did you just need to get some pussy? Definitely both. Yeah. You know? But it's it's something which um it's fifty fifty. It's okay. like um when sex happens, touch naturally happens. So I'll get my I'll get to speak my love language even though it's a casual encounter, you know. Yeah. I'll just it's just begging for an opportunity to speak your love language of sorts. Okay. When you said pleasure is a luxury, I want to explore that a little bit because I, I, I think there's something there. Did you consider pleasure to be a luxury before your diagnosis or do you now believe that pleasure is a luxury because of your diagnosis? Oh, shit. Nobody put it that way. See, the only reason why I even used the word luxury, you know, yeah, it sounds odd, I get it, you know, but I think scarcity of something can, you know, make you feel like, yeah, that thing is luxury, that is something which happens only so often, you know, like people who are, you know, people who are, you know, kind of dying of hunger or thirst, water is a luxury for them, which we take for granted. It's all relative, right? It's a feeling. We might feel like, why are they so, why are they treating water like luxury, right? We have taken it for granted all our lives. We don't know. Like, but they know. Yeah. I think people who have, in some way or the other, be it internally or externally, like, there's this feeling of like craving, right? And if many years go by and this craving is still present within you, I think it just kind of starts to feel like, okay, it, it is some sort of a luxury, you know, it's, and whenever it happens, it's just something to be revered and to really go all in into. So, in my case, like, the reason why I'm using the terms pleasure being a luxury is, so, I'll tell you one more thing, this woman, like, um, through whom, like, I contacted her, these, this was the second ever time I had sex in my life. You know, like, second ever time. And also, it's, and the first ever time I had sex was again a casual encounter, you know. It wasn't one of those, like, meaningful connections with a girlfriend or something. Okay. Is that what you would have preferred? Would you have preferred to have had a girlfriend and let this be a meaningful connection and then have sex. I guess because see, I, the initial encounters and these initial experiences, right? The first or the second time you have sex in your life, I think these are very pivotal things and very heavy things. And I think it is better if you have it with someone who you trust instead of throwing yourself to the wolves, you know, and just, um, yeah, I think it would would have been better, but at that time, like I said, I wasn't thinking in that manner, right? I just wanted to get my dick wet mm -hmm. because every day I wake up and my body craves this and I used to literally apologize to my body that I'm sorry, you know, like I'm trying, but I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, like, I guess I still literally apologize to my body. Man. It's so yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if you want to go here and you can feel free to say no and we can move on, but this no, is, hmm? no, 
promising KK that I'm good with anything. Okay. So it makes me think about like the current climate of the world and how there is such an emphasis on casual sex. There's a, such an emphasis on being able to have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Yeah. And how even the world of sex positivity is speaking about sexual liberation, right? And how it's leading to these outcomes where people feel like they have to conform to something that may not be true to them. So you're the kind of person who would like to have a girlfriend, have a meaningful connection, have sex with this person, and maybe society is pressuring you into... Well, if I do want to have a meaningful connection, then I guess I have to have casual sex, and then eventually I'll get what I want. Do you feel that? Does it is that true for you or no? So I'll um, I think I'll add a little bit of correction there when you said like society might be make might be making me feel this way. It's I think a little bit opposite in my case, and this is where I think I have to like kind of go on a little backstory and give you the entire context as to why I sound the way I do right now. You know, and like, why do I sound like such a person who is so sexually depraved? Because you know, why am I using terms like "oh, waking up every day and apologizing to my body for not providing it the sex it craves so much and stuff like that"? So, um, I'll try to keep it brief. There's no way to keep this brief anyway, so I'll go ahead with it. Um, I think. Um, see, I've been a kind of person who has isolated himself for um, since, since forever, since I was a kid. Could be, I think, um, attributed to the rough upbringing that I've had, you know. And it's, um, I don't want to point any fingers at anyone or anything, you know. This is not the time to hold grudges and shit, I feel. But, yeah, it's just, I've grown up isolated. I've always been like, um, Kind of, let's just say, like, I've been insecure around women, full stop. Okay? There's no other way to put this. Especially women. Like, people in general, of course, crowds, you know, are like um, a big deal. And I don't like, you know, I, I, I've just grown up in isolation. I put myself in isolation. I have pushed people away also, you know, the few people who do. And, but there are people who have stuck around with me nonetheless and who saw the good in me. You know, who saw beyond, like, my toxic of coping mechanisms and still chose to love me and all that has happened. So many years went by like that and that could be one of the reasons why I never had a girlfriend. Um, yeah, till this day. I've never been in a proper, you know, like serious relationship. All the while craving for it, you know, but at the same time isolating myself and keeping myself away from people and all that. Okay. Um, do you have examples around you? I know you said you isolate, keep yourself away from people, but I'm sure you have like some kind of people contact. Do you see, do you see relationships? Do you see healthy relationships at all and think to yourself, oh yeah. man, I'd like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like in the last two or three years, I know like around two or three years ago, I became sentient, so to speak. Like that's the term I really like to use. Like, that weird 
like the world started to expand a little when I started to you know like like this internal voice inside me which was like no this isn't it man you know this isn't it can't just you know like be reduced to this you know what I mean mm. to the shit that's happening at home to the, like the shit that's happening at home or the shit that happened in school or college and stuff it, I can't be reduced to this these two places yeah yeah and that inner voice like kind of started to you know, pull me out and take me out into the world and I just started to slowly going out there and like in the last two or three years it's been a lot better the isolation cycles have reduced significantly I am around good people yeah I am like um, friends of people who are you know, in relationships who are married actually you know and I see a lot of healthy love around me and I've surrounded myself with it it's an intentional thing it's not a chance or something it used to be like a um, coincidental thing some good person run into me and kind of inject this positivity and this good energy and introduce me to you know basic things like hey you don't always have to be so shaken up and scared and insecure and just introduce me to basic concepts of the feeling of being loved and all that because you know growing up for many years that the ship wasn't there i think it was it was just i think up at least till the age of 15 i feel it was what i like to call this so called like I'm using a strong word again, but this present present sentence of sorts. Like it was a very reduced form of me which was there, you know, living in my body. Okay. Up until I was 15 or 16 at least. Um it was I, I I would like to touch on something here from like being loved. So you said that your love language is physical touch, and you said that you may you didn't feel love. So my question to you is, did you not feel loved or did you just not feel loved in the way that you receive love growing up? Hmm. And you so don't, I, if I, you, I, yeah, like, you don't have to answer that, but that, I just want to challenge I that. I'll, I'll answer everything. There's no such thing like that. The only thing I'm worried about is like, um, am I like running out of time? Am I running? It's like that. That's the only thing which is coming in my mind. Like, how much can I cram into this one session, you know? Okay, okay. Yeah, because there is so much to talk about in my mind. That's what I feel. Yeah. So, I have been loved by a lot of good people in my life. There's, there's been abundance of that. As far as um, love being a feeling and a healing thing, and a healing process and all that goes, like, I've had it in abundance. I'm grateful for it. But at the same time, I know, like, internally there is this, like, you want to, like, um, you have like you have your own love language, your own way of showing people how, right? And I guess sentimentally, I can only do it so much, right, with my friends. And on a platonic level, I can only go so far. There is like still room to explore more. And I think that's where um that's where I think the void comes in. Mm-hmm. Void of like okay. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned apologizing to your body, and. Yeah. I wonder what are you doing to make up to your body for this? And I'm using air quotes when I say this for people who are listening at home, (laughs) this terrible thing that you did to your body. Like, how are you making it up to your body? Okay. So, um, are you talking about like the post hobbies mindset of mine? Yeah. Yeah. So that actually changed. That's when things actually changed when I got the report in my hand. Um, so the mindset was like when I got the report in my hand, 
looking at it and I'm numb, obviously, you know. I'm just numb, I don't feel too much at the moment. And the first thought that comes to my mind is like, I think this is enough. I think I've hurt myself enough. That's the first thought that came to my mind. Like I've ended up in wrong situations enough, I have changed enough, I have, you know, we're talking about like um, 12 years of pornography addiction and stuff like that, you know, behind me and just hate banking myself until I get tired enough to sleep, you know, all those days, you know what I mean? Like, so I think I just realized that, okay, I have been, you know, just treating myself like absolute shit, you know, I've reduced myself to this thing where, like, it was just like, um, wake up call to like, okay, I think this is enough self-harm. The way I treat myself, the way I reduced my, like, this beautiful reproductive organ which I'm born with, you know, to just, to be used just for the hate working sessions, you know. I'll only look at, look at my dick or just touch it only when I want to, you know, put myself to sleep, you know. Kind of like using like a bong pipe, so to speak. As a what? You know what I mean? As like a bong pipe or like a glass pipe. Ah, okay. Got it. Yeah, just like, Damn, that makes like sense. A that's a really good analogy. A, that's, a, that's a good analogy. Yeah, to take like a bong hit, you know, only then you touch the bong. Yeah. Until then, you don't even look at it. Yeah. And so many years go by and just me um, reducing myself to that, you know. Mm. And only after God that I put in my hand and things started to hurt, got all these blisters and everything, right? Things started to hurt and I realized that, okay, I think this is enough. I don't wish to like hurt myself anymore. Yeah. And things changed. So you were in pain and it seems like after coming into contact with a physical manifestation of how you feel on the inside with the woman that you had sex with and with now having your herpes diagnosis, you were able to see more accurately a reflection of how you felt. Is, is that accurate? I think so. And I believe that if you ask for something badly enough, you do receive it, be it a good thing or a bad thing. And subconsciously, subconsciously, we keep asking for things that we don't even realize, you know? Yeah. So... In a way, you know, like, I know, like, this is a bad thing to say about myself, but in some way, some way, I might have asked for it, you know, I might have, given the mindset I was in, unknowingly. Yeah, yeah. Unknowingly. And I think that what we're all asking for is, yeah. you, you use this word, repress. Uh, I think that we're all asking for a form of identity validation. We're asking for... Uh, our nature to be nurtured and if we there there's a way that we can get it we can get it healthily in a more long-term or boring or hard way or we can get it right now fast and easy and typically the right now fast and easy route typically comes with long-term consequences whereas the hard work and the healthy way you know it doesn't necessarily have consequences but it has like a short and sweet, like, yay, that was great. I did it. It was all this hard work, yeah. but yay, I accomplished you know, it. One sugar rush after another, you know, just one sugar rush after another. Yeah. And given the general mediocrity that most people experience 
as far as casual encounters go, you know, like that's a general theme, right? There's a certain mediocrity involved in it. It's not always like the deepest connections and all that. So people just want more, thinking like tomorrow if I you know fuck someone else, I might you know make up for this wasted time which I had today with this person, and they just keep chasing these mediocre highs after mediocre highs, you know. And this is where I'd like to say something very lame. Just came to mind. It's not lame. You know, um, it's not lame. Just, just say it. This is the yeah. space for it. Yeah. So again, this, the man himself, Snoop Doggy Dog, you know, this WPD or WG Snoop Doggy Dog said, "It's not." Uh, I'm not paraphrasing correctly. I know, but he was like, hey, "Man, it's not how much you smoke; it's what you smoke." Yeah. You know? That's what he said. Quality over quantity. Not, That's basically it. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. How, how many, you know, like J's you go through, it's not that. One single fat, properly rolled spliff, and you're done. Yeah. You know? That, uh-huh. can keep you, that shit can keep you tight for a while. So, my man Snoop Dogg said it himself, so. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's about quality. I mean, the quality over the quantity. And like you said, when you continue to get more and more and more and more mediocrity, yeah. it's just more mediocrity. You're not getting... Yeah, it's just, you just want to make up for the last time. You just want to make up for like, okay, shitty experience. Tomorrow I'll wake up and try to make it better by, you know, engaging in more of this one way of having sex that I've known for so many years. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, so it's like, if you want greatness, why do you keep giving more to mediocrity or more to average yeah. or less than? Because now you're only getting more of less. You're not getting more of what you actually want. That's, that's a very well phrased statement the way that you put that yeah, and just to you know say just to put it out there i'm not shitting on casual encounters or this lifestyle of um what is the lifestyle this is of casual encounters i'm not shitting on that one bit because the casual encounters isn't the problem it's the intention it's the lack of communication over there and all those things that go wrong you know even a casual encounter like you can spend one night with someone and that can still be the best night of your life even though it's a stranger, you know, like not even, not just in terms of sex, but anything in life, you know, like me, you, like me and you, we have never met. It was the first time we had talked, and we're already, you know, like head diving into things. And I think if the same principle can be applied in other spaces of our life, including sex, even if it is a casual encounter with a stranger, so just some basic communication, you know. Mm-hmm. Instead of you know hearing words like oh I thought I told you I had all these and stuff like that if you hear shit like that that's not exactly the best form of communication now is it so even casual encounters you know like no grudge against those people who engage in that I get it they all have reasons this is it's not even a bad thing at all actually you know done correctly so it's just the way we are going about it and are we actually abandoning ourselves while we're going about it you know are we not taking care of our own protection and not just in the form of condoms but i, I keep saying this in my mind which is like communication is the best protection before anything before anything else before condoms before dental dams before anything before antivirals communication man like like dude you need to talk man like speak like use your words yeah. Before he was a big man, like Jesus, you know. Yeah, and I mean, just taking it to the important part of what something positive for positive people does is uh, yeah. the CDC says everything about 
protecting yourself from STIs except for communication. Like there is so much more emphasis on wearing a condom every time than there is talking about the last time you were tested, what you were tested for, and then negotiating even condom use. Because I know people who never use condoms and don't get STIs because they communicate. But the general rule of thumb is we assume that if a condom is used, that we're fine. And that avoids a necessity of talking about our sexual health status. And that's what I got told, right? That, hey, we, got, we, like, we use condom, it's going to be fine. Nothing will happen. So I'll get to that, actually, now that you brought this topic up of using a condom and not using a condom, right? And so how it entered my body, how herpes entered my body, herpes entered my body was... So before I, like, um left my home, obviously, you know, I take a bath, I do everything, because, again, you see, in my mind, I'm like, okay, even though it's a casual encounter, I'm presenting my body to someone. Like, I had, like, this... I don't know, to call it self-respect or whatever, but I like to take a full shower. I like to, you know, run the trimmer across every corner of my body, you know, and just have like this proper, like, yeah, I'm about to like fuck kind of mindset. And like, are we going in, boys? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> go, go, go. It's <laughs> like standing in the field team, you know. <laughs> So you have to be like prepped for it. That's what my mindset was at least, even though it's a casual encounter, even though like, and what I saw there was obviously completely opposite, the complete opposite of hygiene, the complete opposite of courtesy and stuff. So how it entered my body was, um, like I said, I used a trimmer, right? And I used it to like um, trim my tubes and everything. And See, whatever I'm telling you now, this would take me another like three months after exposure to actually come to, you know, to actually put it into words and explain it to myself what actually happened, what the fuck happened that day, you know? How did it enter my body? You know? I'm talking weeks and weeks of anxiety, feeling, oh, did the condom break? What if she's pregnant? What if this and that, you know? So all that was happening, but so I used a trimmer to just trim my pubes and everything. And, um, <laughs> so, so I think like in the moment when she was like on top and she was like riding me, um, I remember distinctly even seeing this, like her clit was just, you know, rubbing against like those, like that pubic area, like right where that, um, bone thing is there. I don't know what the bone is called. The, uh, like right above. oh my God, the mons pubis. <laughs> Okay, I, I don't think that's a bone. Okay. Hold on. You talking about the pelvic reed. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's just, just above the dick, right where the tubes are, basically. Yeah, yeah. Just, you can see her clit rubbing there, and, okay, she's on top, and she's riding, and I can see that, okay? And I think that's where it happened. And that's, and, like, three weeks, so fast forward three weeks after the exposure, I get one single blister. Looks a little bit bigger than a mosquito bite, and one single Thing, you know? um, and obviously I go into denial, I start googling stuff again. Like I did, at this point, I, I doubled down on my googling. I've been googling all the while. I google again and actually I missed a step. So one week after the exposure, I had gone and given a blood test. I got in a test done. It came back negative and I was in a celebrating mood. I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't get all these. And then one week into my celebratory mind, I get one single blister. 
and this pressure I get about an inch above my dick, not on the dick, an inch above my dick, right? The pubes are okay, and I'm like, okay, this is not on the dick, right? The images on Google show that the blisters are happening on the dick or on the balls and stuff. So this is not herpes. And there is this one thing which, like, there's a small infection that happens on the root of the hair or something. Okay, so I'm like, okay, must be some, you know, bacterial infection because I haven't taken a bath in a couple of days or something. Pushed it aside. And then, like, it went away. Like, one blister and then a couple, and then like, a few more blisters came and they just went away. And I didn't think too much about it, but it stayed in the mind. It wasn't leaving. And at this point, a month has gone by after the exposure. I take another blood test towards the end of August and I take another blood test. It would take another one week for the report to come back for some reason. It was supposed to come back in two days. It took another week, longest week ever, all kinds of anxiety, everything, you know, you name it. I'm just like, at this point, I'm just like this loud in my room and just waiting for it, I guess. And then on September 5th, 30 July is when the exposure happened, September 5th, a month and six days-ish later, I get the report and like, I get it in the email and I see it, like, to be, like, it's a, it was an antibody count, blood test. And to, you know, to have a negative, it's supposed to be, you know, below 20, 25 or something, and mine was 110, written in bold. And I'm like, okay, gone through the roof, definitely positive. Oh boy. And... I was just numb that day. Mm. And that's how it entered my body. It was so how it entered my body coming back to that point, or should I completely done over that? Um, I believe there was a small cut which happened through my tremor. Because I was doing it in a hurry because I need to get there. You yeah, know, like I was in that mindset. I need to go and get myself some of that. So I was in that mindset and I'm just rushing it through, you know. Mm. And the process I feel like I might have, you know, chipped a little somewhere. One tiny cut is all it takes, I guess. Yeah. And it happened like that. It entered my body through the one tiny cut. And all the outbreaks that have happened since, they happened an inch or two above my dick. Mm-hmm. So in that case, condom did protect me. And I'm grateful that I wore condom because I think it's somewhat related to the herpes, you know, like it carves a path as it, you know, reach, goes to the... Um, ganglia, the nerves and stuff, before it's like, as it finds its way home, so to speak, mm-hmm. it carves a path and it uses that path to come back, you know, and erupt in the same place where it had entered. And that's why I haven't gotten a single blister on my dick. It happens an inch above my dick, like with the fuel's are. Okay. So in that case, I got a whistle because it would have been a lot more painful, I feel, if it was happening on the gland or, you know, around the frenulum and stuff, it kind of, I can't, or, or on the thin skin of the testicle, it would be even more painful. So in that case, you know, thank you, condom, but at the same time, oh well, it did enter my body nonetheless. Yeah. Well, um, we have a couple of minutes before the recording stops. So what I want to ask you here is, is there anything that you wish to share about your experience that you hope to use to help someone else if they come across this episode? Because I tell you what, like, I, I had to write some notes down here, but um, 
what I'm what I've gotten out of this so far is, you know, speaking to how the disclosure was downplayed to you, self-abandonment. I put a star by that. Um, and then like being desperate and using your dick and then like this wake up call from self-harm. And I know these things don't necessarily have anything to do with herpes because you know this that's what i want people to understand it's not all about the herpes it's about our relationship to ourself herpes is just a physical visual manifestation that sort of forces us into the communication with other people and into a connection with ourselves so that we're not just mindlessly walking through the world and doing what it is that we do you know using sex for whatever we're using it for Exactly. Um, <laughs> there is so much to say, and like one hour is already over, and I'm like, oh shit, I was, I was getting in there, and I was only kind of getting started with this. But I understand. Like, there's always so much to say, and this this conversation will just go on for for the rest of our lives, but it's suffered, you know. <laughs> I feel. Yeah, and I mean, it's 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 a there's a lot to it, you know, and. I think people that I interview come on, they think that they're only going to be talking about herpes. But what ends up happening is we talk about like those components that underlie herpes. And that's where the significant value is. It's not exclusively in the herpes, herpes, herpes story. It's about the person. It's about you. Yeah. You giving yourself uh, to this in a way that other people are able to see how we tend to dehumanize ourselves because we get a herpes diagnosis. But the reality is we discover just how much more human we are if we're willing to work through this. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. Definitely. Yeah, what I'd like to say is like, whoever it is that may be listening to this, whoever you are, wherever you are, and just... Just gonna take care of yourself like that. That whatever high you're chasing, or in whatever like um, places you may be ending up, and just pay attention and just just be there for yourself, man. Be your own friend, and whatever validation and whatever you may be seeking from these other people, it's best if you try to you know like set yourself up in a way that you can provide it to yourself. And if you can't, at least set yourself in a way that you attract the people that do, you know, who can, you know, understand your energy and just connect with you on a much more safer level, so to speak, because, you know, communication is, after all, I feel personally the best protection before anything. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to try this. All right. I want to thank you, Karan. Thank you. Oh, I did it. <laughs> cool. I want to thank you for reaching out. I want to thank you for your time and for being willing to share your experience here um, and go as deep as you were willing to go. I know that this is going to help somebody just like whoever's episode I listened to reached out to you and now you're reaching out like that's how this thing works. We're all supporting each other. We may all never meet each other, but the support is there. So I want to thank you for your time. Thank you, and thank you for your time to record me. All right. 
That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to, and donate to this organization. If you find value in any of these episodes and you yourself have not reached out, or if you feel like maybe there's a call for you to share your experience, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm just Courtney at SPFPP.org, or you can hit me up on Instagram, CourtneyBrame underscore. Um, I'm not as active on social media these days, so you probably should just email me. But yeah, um, until next time.